Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'm so glad that you've hopped aboard the Bible bus with us. Our teacher, of course, is Dr. J. Vernon McGee, and he's going to guide us through another great passage in the Song of Solomon. Now, for generations, King Solomon's rich language and gorgeous imagery have been an inspiration for many poets and songwriters who study his words. Well, our journey now through Song of Solomon continues in chapter 2, verses 12 to 15, with no exception. And I'm excited to get started. I hope you are, too. As Dr. McGee will explain some of the profound symbolism hidden within the beauty of Solomon's words, I know that you're going to love this study. Now, before we begin, will you join me and thousands of other World Prayer Team members as we intercede for our fellow listeners around the world? Here's a great letter. This one's from India, and it's a reminder that more than 95% of Indian people have never heard the name of Jesus. Think about that, 95%. But praise God, his word heard on through the Bible is changing that. This friend writes, I was raised worshiping many gods and goddesses, yet I still suffered with different kinds of problems in my life and had no peace at all. I searched many places for peace, but all my efforts were in vain. One day, I came to know about Jesus Christ through a listener of yours. I was very happy and decided to give my life to the Lord. He gave me a program guide, and I began listening. As I listened, I received peace and joy in life. God blessed me with the knowledge of his word. This knowledge helps me live a spiritual life. I now gather with other listeners and fellowship in the Lord. Well, together, let's ask God to use through the Bible to change the lives of more listeners like this one in India and around the world. And, you know, you can do that by joining our world prayer team. Just visit ttb.org forward slash pray and sign up. You'll be glad you did. Now, let's give this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather together around your word. We ask that you bless all of us who are listening right now, Lord. Please use Dr. McGee's faithful teaching of your word to encourage us and then to help us grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's get to the Bible study and get the Bible bus rolling through Song of Solomon chapter 2 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now friends, we're back today in the Song of Solomon and we are in the second chapter and we come today to the 12th verse and we've just gotten into it and this is a picture here. This is the second song And here is a picture for you and me today of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his own when he'll take them out of the world. It is the bride back there that Solomon has been away on a trip and at night she's dreamed about his coming. Whether this is his actual coming or not, because we'll come to a song a little later on in this book and it will reveal that He did come at night and let her know that he had been there. And it was following a custom of that day. We'll see it when we get to it. But here, this is such a beautiful, wonderful picture. A song of his coming. Nothing quite like it. Verse 12, the flowers appear on the earth. And we mentioned the fact last time that flowers... I think are going to be in profusion in the new Jerusalem. And the time of the singing of birds is come. And the voice of the turtle, and that should be turtle dove, is heard in our land. Now the time of the singing of the birds is come. Now that's another very lovely expression, by the way. The time of the singing 
of the birds is come. And what we have here is the fact that there's going to be a great deal of singing in heaven. There's going to be a great deal of singing when we come into his presence. And if you ever notice that there is a great deal of singing that opens, actually, the Gospels. Dr. Luke is really the one that begins farther back in the story than any of the others begin of the four Gospels. And if you ever noticed his songs, when we went through that, I called attention to them. There are the songs of Zacharias. There's the song of Mary. It's the song of Elizabeth. And there's the song of Anna. There's the song of Simeon. And there are a lot of songs there. And they sang them at his birth. And the church began singing. And the joy of these people is what called attention to them in the Roman world. And we someday will get in his presence and we're told, Oh, sing a new song to the Lord, for he hath done wondrous things. Well, I can't sing it now, but I'm going to then because I've got a new body that I'm going to get. And here we're told that there will be the flowers in the earth, and oh, what a joyful gratitude should be in our hearts for his salvation. And it ought to manifest itself in a song in our heart. Now, it may not come out very well when we sing it, but Kingwell Marsh wrote this little jingle. He says, O sing unto this glittering, glorious King. O praise his name, let every living thing. Let heart and voice like bells of silver ring the comfort that this day did bring. He put a song in our heart. And the time of the singing in some of the older Bibles has been rendered the time of pruning is come. You see, he prunes the vines. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus said that he was going to do. You remember over in the Gospel of John, it's in the 15th chapter there. And he says here, I am the genuine vine. My father, he is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit... He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. That is, he prunes it. And so the time of pruning has come. You and I are living in the time of pruning. The time of singing is ahead of us. What a picture that we have here. And then we're told the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Now, the turtle dove is the dove that we think of today. I saw them in that land there. They look very similar to our doves here, only I think they're somewhat smaller. And that dove has always been the emblem of peace. And you remember the reason for it, why the dove went out and took that olive leaf and brought it back to Noah. And that spoke of peace. The judgment was over. And the turtle dove speaks to us today that you and I have a salvation that's complete. The judgment is past. How? Well, because he bore it for us. He has endured it. I'm saved today. I can say that, not because of who I am, but because of what Christ did. And this morning, friends, your sins are either on you or they're on Christ. Now, if they're on you, you are yet to come up for judgment. 
Now, if you've trusted Christ, he bore them for you. And by faith, you appropriate the salvation. Therefore, that judgment is passed. And the turtle dove that we have here speaks of the peace that he's made. And that's the reason that not just a few of the saints will go out at the rapture. There are some people believe only the super-duper saints will go out. And I've known some of those people in my day, and I never met one of them in my life that didn't think he was going out at the rapture. They never were quite sure about me, but they sure were sure about themselves. And I think that ministers to pride. They assume they're super-dupers. Well, I'm going out, not because of being a super-duper, but because he made peace by the blood of his cross, and I have forgiveness of sins. Turtle Dove speaks of that here at this time. And this is the wonderful picture, actually, that we have of the fact that we have a new day coming up, the turtle dove in the morning. I hear turtle doves up where I live early of a morning. They're the first bird that apparently gets up in the morning. They speak of a new day that is coming. And what a wonderful picture you have here. And it speaks of the fact that the legal wintry state is gone. The mists are fled. The spring comes on. The sacred turtle dove we hear proclaim the new, the joyful year. And when we hear Christ Jesus say, Rise up, my love, and come away, our hearts would fain outfly the wind and leave all earthly joys behind. Watts wrote that. And I think he spent a great deal of time in the Song of Solomon, by the way, just as we're spending maybe a little too much time here. But this is too wonderful to leave right now. Now he says, The fig tree putteth forth her green figs. I think the fig tree speaks of Israel. And he says, When you see the fig tree putting out its leaves, you'll know summer's nigh. And the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. It's springtime, you see. Now, it'll be springtime because he says, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. And we're told that the dead in Christ shall be raised first. Then we which are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. And now we have this very marvelous thing that is said here. O my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the secret of the stairs, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Because he's to make us that kind of a church, you see, someday. Now, this is a very beautiful, glorious phrase he uses here. Oh, my dove. And he speaks of the dove here that art in the clefts of the rock. In the secret place are the secret of the stairs. Let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance 
is comely. And this is the one that he is made like that. And we are told here that the cry is, O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. And he will not. Why? Because the thing that he did was to hide in the cleft of the rock. Now, that cleft of the rock, it speaks of Christ because he is the rock on which the church is built. And he bore the judgment. We rest upon him. And that should bring today not only satisfaction, it should bring security to us. It should bring the assurance of our salvation. But if you're on the rock today, you may not have the assurance. But if you're on the rock, you're safe. It's like the lady said she was boasting of her salvation. And someone says, why, you act as if you're safe and secure on the rock. Well, she says, I am. But she says, there's one thing sure. I do tremble on the rock, but the rock never trembles unto me. We are on the rock today. And he's the one that is hidden us in the clefts of the rock. Now, again, may I come and say that the dove is also the emblem that the Holy Spirit used to speak really of himself. He came like a dove upon Christ. And it speaks of the fact that you and I are God's child today. And the evidence of it is that we have the Holy Spirit. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And then we are told here that saints are likened to doves because of their simplicity and their gentleness. He says, Be ye wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. I suspect a dove is a pretty stupid bird. The other day, accidentally in driving along, I hit a dove. The crazy dove stood there in the highway, didn't even move until I got right on him. I guess he thought he could make it, but he didn't make it at all. And I regretted doing that. But I said, you stupid little bird for staying like you did. Well, we not only need to be as harmless as doves, we better be wise as serpents in this world we're in today. We'll get run over also. And so a dove is a good picture for us. And a dove has a certain beauty about it. I think they're a very beautiful bird in many ways. And then they're used so much as a symbol of peace. And they carry messages of peace and goodwill for God. And then they speak of timidity. A dove is not a very forward type bird. We're told in Scripture, it's mentioned about the trembling like a dove out of the land of Egypt. And I've seen doves down there in the land of Egypt. But the wonderful and glorious picture here is the hiding place. It's the place where we've been put in the cleft of the rock. And that rock is Christ, and he was wounded for us. And as someone has said, I got in the heart of Christ through a spear wound. And Pop Lady's wonderful hymn is still true, and it's based on this. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed 
be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyelids close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. What a picture we have there. Now, there's one other verse that I'm going to emphasize here, and then we're going to take off, friends. That'll be next time, but the one we'll look at now is verse 15. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Now, that's a very interesting picture, by the way. You see, they could put up a fence, a wall, that would keep out the big foxes. But those little fellows, they can sneak through, you see. And they are the ones that got in, and always they would destroy the grapes, you see, tear up the grapevines. And we are told today, I think it has a message for us, we better beware of the, the little foxes. The Lord Jesus, you remember, gave his ones a warning about them, that you watch out for them. He said to his own, He that hath two coats, let him give to him that hath none. Exact no more than is appointed you. Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Repent and bring fruits meet for repentance. And he also spoke of the fact that these were enemies around. Oh, generation of vipers, he could speak to the religious rulers. And then when they brought word to him that Herod was looking for him, he says, you go tell that old fox. Herod had been a young fox one time and had caused trouble, a lot of trouble. John the Baptist pointed his finger at him and said, you have no right to have another man's wife. And preacher doesn't make himself popular when he says a thing like that. And Herod took his head off. I tell you, and our Lord Jesus said, you go tell that old fox... The day I work and tomorrow and the next day, but he'll have nothing to do with it. May I say to you, we're to beware of the old foxes, but it's the young foxes that get in and cause the trouble today. Frankly, I think in the church there are these little foxes. It's these little sins that spoil the church, spoil a Christian's life. There are the little sins of omission today. James, you remember, says in James 4, 17, that he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Why, what is it? He says it's sin. And that's a sin of omission. How many folks say today, you know, I ought to be doing something for God, and they see something that they should do, and they don't do it. Oh, how many people have sinned in that connection? And we need to recognize the fact that the Lord Jesus went about doing good. <laughs> and somebody says that Jesus went about doing good, and the thing troubles me, I'm just satisfied about just going about, probably doing nothing. Sin of omission today. Oh, how many folk have said, I intended to write you, but I didn't write you? Little thing. How many folk said, oh, I intended to do something for missions, and I forgot to do it. Sins of omission. These little foxes, friends, they wreck 
a vineyard any time. And how many times have we not prayed for somebody? We should have prayed for them. You remember that Samuel could say, God forbid that I not sin against you by failing to pray for you. And how many of you pray for those you should pray for? Then there's another sin of commission. That is something that Paul talked about over in the epistle to the Romans, over in the 14th chapter at verse 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And this business of taking a step and taking it on our own and trying to call it faith, and we know it's not faith. We just want to have our way. That's an awful sin, I think, but it's a little fox that gets in and spoils the work of God today. Oh, how many people lean on that very lame and broken reed and try to hold themselves up and maintain a pious attitude. I'm doing this because God is leading, and you know that he's not leading you at all. That which is not a faith, it's sin for a child of God. And then there's another sin. It's a little one. Oh, but this is a sin that you see among God's people, and that is having respect of persons. And believe me, James, he lowers the boom on those who do that. Will you listen to him? In James, the second chapter, verse 9, But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. How many times? I've had this happen to me. I went into a certain church just to visit. Didn't want to be recognized. I wanted to hear the preacher. And I went in, and the usher was absolutely insulting to me. He said to me, you wait right here. And then he came back and says, well, I don't have a seat. He said, you'll have to stand here in the back. He looked for a moment. He said, oh, you're Dr. McGee, as if that would make any difference. And he said, I'll get you a chair and let you sit right here. May I say to you, respect of persons. How tragic it is to see in some churches today some rich man acknowledged in the service, and some poor man that probably is more godly than the rich man, why, he's absolutely ignored. And those little foxes, they really wreck God's work today. And you know, there's a sin of not giving enough to God. And somebody says, well, you would mention that. Well, I sure would. How many people say, were the whole realm of nature mine? They sing that, and they said, and that were a present far too small. And then when the offering basket is passed, they put 25 cents in it. And then how many of us lie when we sing some of these songs? We sing, I give it all to the Lord. May I say we don't mean it, do we? Oh, my friend, it's the little foxes that are destroying a lot of grapes today. Well, we're going to have to let off right at that particular juncture. We pick up next time at chapter 3. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Is that a good metaphor? Why don't we commit a few minutes to identify any of the little foxes that might be ruining the fruit in our spiritual lives? You know, it might be a little uncomfortable at first, but ask God to show you where something has crept in and stolen your joy. And then ask Him to help you refocus your attention on what He says is the best for your life. 
Dr. McGee covered some really important information in our study. So if you'd like to spend some extra time in this passage or maybe share this teaching with a friend, you can visit ttb.org to listen to this message or any other in this study for free. And while you're visiting, you may want to take a couple of minutes to browse through the wide selection of Bible study materials that we make available for free on our website. One resource that I'd suggest is Dr. McGee's digital book titled, Forget About It, How to Put the Past Behind You. If you're still stewing over the sins of your past, and maybe you need a little help moving forward with joy and confidence, well, this teaching from Philippians 3 can help. It's one of more than 100 of Dr. McGee's booklets and many other Bible study resources that are available for free download when you visit us at ttb.org. And to get the most out of our studies and to keep up with all that's going on at Through the Bible, ttb.org is also the place to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also reach us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or write to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325. London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Well, our time together has come to an end, so be sure to join us again next time. I'm Steve Sweats, and I'll see you then. Join us each weekday for our five-year daily study through the whole Word of God. Check for times on this station or look for Through the Bible in your favorite podcast store and always at ttb.org.